following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Well, good morning once again, everybody, and thanks to Doug and Paul and Dell and all those who've been part of today's service so far um, by reading or leading us in different ways. And thanks to all of you who are with us today. Uh, even if you're not um, doing something publicly in the service, your presence with us is noticed and noticeable, and we're grateful for you being part of our community. I am uh, really excited for what I have to share with you today. Uh, this particular message feels to me a little bit like I'm riding a wild horse and I can barely stay on, and I'm going to try to get you to ride along with me, and I'm not sure if I can stay on long enough to do that. Um, and so we'll, we'll hope that we can get through this together in a way that ends up being meaningful for all of us. So before I get into it, I want to ask you uh, a question for self-reflection. And you, you can feel free to put a little response into the chat if you'd like here on Zoom. And uh, if you're on Facebook, you can have your own conversation there. I always go and check those later, but I can't keep track of both. I can barely keep track of one live and in the moment. So I wonder uh, if you're the type of person who makes a decision quickly or slowly. And you can just put a one-word response if you want to. If you want to elaborate, you are welcome to do that as well. And um, then maybe a secondary question. Okay, I see someone say slowly. You even typed it slowly. That's great. Uh, two votes for slowly so far. All right, my people are here with me. Um, so once you've made a decision, do you act quickly or slowly? Uh, that's a separate question, which might be related. All right, so I'm seeing lots of people respond here, and all kinds of different ones. Uh, somebody says fast, somebody says years, somebody says we make a glacier look speedy. <laughs> uh, someone says I prefer not to make decisions at all, all right? <laughs> quickly and quickly. So people who, some people in the, in the chat are deciders who decide quickly, and they're actors who act quickly. Uh, and then um, one person says, decide slowly, but once they decide, it's on. So that's really interesting how there's a, a kind of a, a split ticket vote there on that one. Well, um, today's message is entitled, Decide and Act. Uh, and if those words feel like a little bit of an aggression to those of you who are very deliberate... Um, just know that this is yet another case of uh, Dr. Cure Thyself, because I am one of you. Um, decide, act. I mean, how dare you use that kind of language in front of me? <laughs> um, that would be my policy. Um, the funny thing about words is that they come with lots of baggage for us, uh, don't they? And some of us respond differently to different types of words. And today's central word that I'm going to use a lot during the sermon is a word that carries a lot of baggage for a lot of you. And I know that from talking to some of you and by extrapolation, I'm guessing that it's true for many others of you. And that word is repent, right? Um, you can put a, a thumbs up or a hands up or something if the word repent feels a little bit um, like it carries a little bit of baggage or weight for you. You don't have to. That might be a personal thing. But I'm sure that there are many of you in the room who, um, who feel that way. And the truth is that repentance and repent, um, this is a word that is sometimes used, I would say, quite abusively in church. And not just in the jokey way I was talking about with the words decide and act. The word repent probably for many of you carries um, a weight that evokes a deep shame in you because of how it has been used against you in the past. 
uh, in service of, apparently, or supposedly, the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, At worst, this can seem like a call to reject who you actually are, to reject the person that God made you to be. Um, and, And... at best, maybe it feels like uh, you're being asked to engage in an act of will that feels impossible, that might even be pointless to try. And to make matters worse, the people in the church who have so cavalierly called you to repentance for the thing that they perceive to be a problem are often the ones who are entirely unwilling uh, even to consider what they might need to repent of, let alone to listen to anybody else tell them to repent, and let alone to act on it once they've heard that call. So I acknowledge that the word repent and repentance are words that carry some pain for many of you. And my hope is that today I can help you to redeem that word and that concept and maybe give it some new meaning and some new depth that you can carry with you into the future of your life um, of faith. So it is a word that comes up a few times in the lectionary readings. You may have noticed that, particularly if it's a word that you kind of flinch at. Um, By the way, read the lectionary readings every week if you get a chance. Uh, I I would never shame you into into reading the Bible, but I do hope that you take a few minutes, if you can, during the week to read the lectionary passages. I do think it will give you some kind of uh, additional stuff to be thinking about, and and processing it ahead of time is usually a really good thing. But in Mark chapter 1, today's gospel reading, we read that Jesus comes and preaches repentance. Now, John before him had preached uh, uh, the baptism of repentance, we read in the other Gospels. And so Jesus came to Galilee, the text says, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now, I actually love this this instance of the word repent here because repentance apparently is supposed to be good news. Uh, Apparently, according to Mark, uh, that Jesus comes proclaiming the good news and part of that is calling people to repent. I don't know about you, but typically I have not heard repentance connected with anything that feels like good news to me. And then later... uh, um, in the, well, maybe it's not later. I guess in, in history, it's earlier, but uh, it's later in the sermon from Jonah chapter 3. Uh, it says that the people of Nineveh repent after Jonah preaches to them. Okay, so it says Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, that doesn't actually sound like great news uh, to me, so we'd have to maybe wrestle with that idea. But then it says, the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. Hmm. By the way, the book of Jonah is really a fascinating book. Um, Everybody, I think, knows the part about the whale, right? Jonah being thrown overboard and three days in the belly of this this, uh, ocean creature, right? But that's only one part of the story. Um, and, And the part that we get to read in the lectionary today is actually after that fact has happened. He's already been spat out onto the beach 
And then it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, <laughs> right? So Jonah apparently didn't get the message correctly the first time and needed to hear it again. And then Jonah acts and uh, the people of Nineveh are affected by that. So the word repentant is not used in this story, but that's pretty much what happened, isn't it? That the people of Nineveh repented. So let's talk about what the word repentance actually means. And I love this word in the original language, um, which in the Gospels is Greek primarily. And the word for repent in Greek is metanoia. Now, if you were to take a couple of words that we get from Greek that you know better than metanoia uh, and mash them together, you might get a sense of what's going on here. So think about metaphysics, right? This is something that goes beyond and across our understanding of physics, you know, metaphysics. And then think about paranoia, which is having something to do with your mind kind of not, you know, not, not working the way that maybe you would hope it would work, right? Um, so metanoia kind of pushes those things together, and it's the idea of our mind transcending something, right? Or put much more simply, it's simply, it just means to change your mind. How many of you have ever heard a sermon on repentance that just asks you to change your mind uh, versus changing your behavior? Now, I'm all in favor of people changing their behavior, especially if they're doing damage to themselves and others. But the idea that repentance actually is something that begins with a change of mind, when I first learned it, was something that, I mean, it was a sea change for me. Everything looks different in, in that light. And I'm reminded of uh, that verse from Romans chapter 12, which is not in the lectionary readings today, but I kind of think maybe it should have been. Romans 12 says, Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And that, to me, is true repentance. You're no longer conformed to the patterns of the world around you because your mind has been renewed and that has resulted in a transformation in you. That, to me, makes a lot more sense than the typical sermon uh, on repentance that says you are sinning in the following 16 ways and you need to stop doing that and change your behavior. Right. It's almost as if the repentance that leads to salvation is a transformation of your mind, conforming it to God's will rather than the will of the world. And uh, it's almost as if if that happened, salvation would look quite different and maybe more meaningful for most of us. I mean, because the truth is most of us probably don't have this um, cinematic level of world-altering sinfulness in our life that we can simply uh, turn on a dime and change the whole world around us, right? Unless you're a mafia boss or something, I, I don't think that's going to be quite how it works for you. But if you have had your mind transformed, if you have changed your mind, which is our definition of repentance, um, that's kind of like deciding, isn't it? Right? You've made a new decision, and this is sort of a cognitive or intellectual thing maybe at first, not to separate that from the spiritual world, which, you know, the truth is those separations are all fake anyway, and everything is everything. But um, once you have 
done the decide part, then it's time for the act part. And some of you said that once you decide, acting is easy. And others of you said that once you decide, then getting to action is still hard. But this is what happens to the people in our stories. And it seems to me, at least in these cases, that the people who heard the word of the Lord and then had their minds transformed, who, in other words, made a new decision, then acted right away. Those are the people who made it into these stories for one reason or another. So the people of Nineveh, they hear the word of the Lord spoken by the prophet Jonah, who, by the way, hates the people of Nineveh and is really mad at God for forgiving them and goes and pouts under a plant for days on end after the fact, uh, who could only be bothered to preach, I think, a seven-word sermon. Uh, but apparently that was all God needed to change the minds of the, of the Ninevites. Um, the people of Nineveh, when their minds were changed, they immediately acted. They started to embody their repentance. They made real changes. Or the people in the gospel, Simon and Andrew and James and John, when Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people, it says immediately they left their nets and followed him. And then he saw James and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them and they left their father in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now, um, just a little quick side note about the Gospel of Mark. We need to take the word immediately with a slight grain of salt because Mark uses the word immediately constantly. Like if Mark was writing in his diary, he said he would say, Dear diary, this morning I woke up and immediately I had breakfast. It was uh, yogurt with raspberries. And uh, upon finishing breakfast, immediately I went to work. And when I arrived at work, immediately I opened my email and immediately I responded to everybody's email. And by that point, you know that he's totally not being honest in the first place, right? So everything happens immediately in Mark. That's the way that that particular gospel is written. Nevertheless, um, adverbs aside, the evidence is right there in the action, which is that they left their father in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So these people, the citizens of Nineveh uh, and the first apostles that Jesus called, they heard the word of the Lord and they decided and they took action. Now, sometimes actions that they took had consequences. Uh, In the case of these apostles, it certainly had consequences to their financial well-being since they left their jobs. It probably had uh, some family implications since uh, in the case of James and John, their father was their co-worker and they left him behind. We know that anybody who makes a significant um, decision and then take significant action based on their, the call of Jesus on their lives, that that can sometimes have consequences for, for um, wealth, for family, for work, for all kinds of different things and all kinds of different relationships. But I wonder what it would be like to have an entire community of people And here, if we were in the room, I'd ask you to look around the room and see all the people. But you can do that a little bit if you have gallery view and Zoom. What would it look like to have an entire community of people who heard the word of the Lord, not as a heaping helping of shame, not as an insistence that the first thing you need to be concerned about is the many ways that you have all screwed everything up, but rather as a call to understand the world in a new way, to have your hearts and minds supernaturally transformed, which is to say, 
to have your minds changed, to be so completely enveloped in the eternal love of God that nothing will ever look the same again, to stop being conformed to the patterns of brokenness and injustice that surround us and imprison our society. I wonder what it would be like for the whole community to change our collective minds, to repent in the true sense of the word, and not just to decide, but to act Not just to lament together about how bad it was before we got saved, but to work together with each other and with God to save the rest of the world. Not by convincing them to believe a list of religious propositions, but by upending injustice and by building the kind of world that God always intended. By sharing actual good news with people not bad news that we've convinced ourselves is really good. By spreading the gospel, the true gospel, the whole gospel. Can you imagine if a community did all of that? A community that decided and then acted? What would that community be like? Would you want to be a part of it? Would you want to make it a reality in the community that you're already a part of? Be that your church community. Be that your work community. Be that your civic community. I know I would. And I want so much for that to be true of us as Artisan Church. As with most things worth doing, it is easier said than done. So let's pray. Oh God, we ask that you would make this real, this thing that we can barely perceive. We ask that your Holy Spirit would change our minds, that we would truly be transformed in this renewal. Oh God, remove from us the shame that has been piled on us and replace it with your love. Your love that actually can affect the change that is needed in us. Give us confidence to decide and courage to act and trust to know that you are with us when we do. Bind us together as a community here at Artisan Church and in all the communities in which we exist so that we can be part of redeeming a world that is riddled with pain and injustice. And help you co-create something new. And help you redeem this world and make it what you have always wanted it to be for your people. And that is who we are. We give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.